boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. On the eve of my holidays, I am so happy to be back in studio for the Total BG Show. Mike Davidson alongside producer Chris in the studio. Both of us are not completely healthy, but we're going to do a podcast together. So if I'm contagious and he's contagious and we have two different things, we're both going to be really sick next we're week. Really good supervisors. Yes. Yeah. Getting started this week, I want to talk about main event munchies and how they've participated with us to offer our listeners a prize. Yeah, I, I love main event munchies. Uh, we, we had a chance to try these one of little, the best little, pretzels I've ever tried. A little while ago. Anyways, I can't remember how long ago, but it was really good. Yes. And Mike Davidson, like, we we were loved up real good by the people at Main Event Munchies. They dropped off a bunch of bags, and Mike Davidson left the studio with an armload of bags. Not an armload. An armload of You're bags. You're going to have he Jay said, Ganya real mad at me. He said, these are mine, and I said, all right, okay. No, I had I had two bags. You, <laughs> you gave me an extra bag. That's true. But not from the prize, not from our prize batch. No. Let me make that clear. I don't want Jay Ganya calling me going, what's, what's going on no, here? No, this was before that. So you have a chance, as a listener, to win a bag of main event munchies tonight. But you have to answer this question. It's a trivia. The trivia question. The main event munchie trivia. Here's the question. Who was not a member of the Bobby Heenan family? Option A, Hercules Hernandez. Option B, Jesse the Body Ventura. Option C, Ken Patera. Option D, Terry Taylor. Your answers can be submitted in two ways. You can go on social media and you can, and you can hashtag main event munchies trivia and give us the answer A, B, C, or D. That's Hercules Hernandez A, Jesse Ventura B, Ken Patera C, Terry Taylor D, who was not a member of the Bobby Heenan family. The other option is you can email us in at totalbeeshees at gmail.com. We're happy to hear from you there. And I'm going to ask people before we get going too far, so enter the enter to win, and we're going to announce the winner uh, probably in next week's episode. Um, I'm asking people for a favor here. We're growing this thing very effectively, and we are thankful. We have such a loyal listenership. I came across some treasures recently. Yeah. And they're going to be, I'm going to, I don't want to just keep them, and I don't want to sell them to you. I want everybody to be able to access this for free of charge. Here's what you need to do. We have a YouTube channel. It's called At Total Bees She's. And so go to YouTube and look for the channel at Total Bees Show or Total Bees Show. Just search Total Bees You'll find us 100%. Subscribe to the channel because we're going to try to monetize the channel, but we need a thousand subscribers to do this. So recommend it on social media. Ask people to subscribe. And let me tell you some of the things you're going to see on this channel. In 2005, Mecca Shane, the Barbara Walters of Winnipeg, he sat down with Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell. This is before Buff Bag or before Lex Luger had medical issues. Yeah. He was still active. He was still the package. He was the total package. He still is the total package, but he was still able to wrestle back then. And Buff Bagwell in 2005. Now they were supposed to be they were two guys with terrible reputations. And I can tell you the Barbara Walters of wrestling, Mecca Shane asked all the right questions. You'll find out what Lex Luger thought about Hulk Hogan. Did Hulk Hogan manipulate him? Uh, did Ric Flair 
screw up his career in 1991 by leaving and going to WWF and taking the WCW NWA world title belt with him and not dropping into Luger like was planned. You'll hear it all from their own words. Lex Luger, Buff Bagwell, 2005, shoot interview, and they answer everything. They don't hold back, and they were amazing. That's going to be available on the Total Bees She's Show YouTube channel coming up soon. In fact, we're going to try to get it up there before the end of February. So let's get those subscribers up because the closer we get to 1,000, and I can tell you, there's a match that I thought was gone. I couldn't find it. I had a guy who wrestled in Japan contact me and say, hey, I heard you have a match of Kenny Omega, young in his career, taking on a Japanese legend in Winnipeg. Do you have it? And I said, no, I don't have it. And then it was found. Wow. And I'm talking about Kenny Omega versus Ultimo Dragon. And I'm going to release that on YouTube free of charge. But all I ask is you subscribe. All I ask is that you tell all your wrestling wrestling fan friends to subscribe with you. So when we get that up to 1,000 subscribers, you can see Ultimo Dragon versus Kenny Omega. There was two matches. We only have the one match, the first match, between Kenny Omega and Ultimo Dragon. All right, Mike, before we move on from that, just speaking of of what you talked about, about monetization, about following all of our our, our social media, you can do so on Instagram at Total Beaches, Facebook Total Beaches, Twitter at Total Beaches. So if you want to get your your main event Munchies trivia in. Or Mary Brown's Mailbag. Or Mary Brown's Mailbag. Those are the places to do it. Just a quick word, though, on on the whole monetization thing, because people ask me about it all the time. I know you get asked about it, too. Are you guys making money hand over fist? Don't answer. It's called kayfabe. No, I don't answer. But but the thing is, I, I always say we make some. And, no, and that's what I say. That's all I say is we make some, and it, it the it's what, inappropriate for people to ask that question. It's what, inappropriate to answer that's that question. What I, it is not inappropriate to answer, but that's what I'm getting to. Is you a farmer never reveals how many cows he has, so I'm not going to tell you we're making X Y Z amount of dollars. But the thing is, that's what keeps this going because this costs money to do this. Podcasting is not a free form. It's free for you, <laughs> but it's not a free form. So all all you have to do to help us out is throw us up a rating. When, when you're on yeah. your podcast app, Spotify, when you're on Apple, when you're on Google, throw us up a five-star Subscribe rating. And, Subscribe Help and us give out. us a rating, yes. Um, as it relates to money, though, I'll, I'll answer it like this. I wouldn't do it. I, I didn't do anything in wrestling for 13 years. I wouldn't do the podcast if it was costing and not making or if the effort wasn't worth something, right? Right. But that's all I'll say about that's, that. That's the way I feel about it, too, because we, we dedicate... Uh, time each week to this. Yeah. And, and it's, one th- one it's thing, hard for us to do. Somebody said, hey, you should start a Patreon. No. No. My opinion, I, I here's what I think. If you've got the time to listen, I got the time to talk. If you want to see Kenny Omega versus Ultimo Dragon, I, I could say to you, pay me $5, I'll send you the match. No. No. Let's make this free for everybody, but help us out, get the, get the subscriber base up, and we'll release it. Uh, we're going to release it either way, but we're going to do it only after a certain amount of subscriptions. Yeah. Right now, uh, subscriptions, I think, are somewhere around 286. There's a number where I'm going to say to my partners on the YouTube side of things, hey, let's t- it's time to release the match in its entirety, unedited. It's, it's amazing. Um, but let's talk about something else. Kenny Omega has come out and said, what? Well, or, or is he Mike Von Erich this week? No, we'll call him Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. And I, I sent you the article about this, but it, basically what it boils down to is saying after he came back from, from the injuries or whatever it was he came back from, we don't know if it's necessarily injuries or what, but after he came back, he said that he wrestled a couple matches and he really, really felt it. And he was like, oh, 
this is my new 100%. Like, because he thought he was going to come back, essentially, and light the world on fire, which his matches always are great. But he thought he was going to come back and light the world on fire, and he was going to feel just like he'd felt before. You know, before any of these injuries had piled up, he was just going to, you know, brush it off a couple days later and be back feeling great. He said, now I can feel the difference, you know, and I guess this is my new 100%, 100% is what he said. And it, it just kind of harkens back to something you said Weeks ago, maybe even months ago, you mentioned like, okay, Kenny Omega's got only so much tread left on the tires. Let's make these matches count. Now he's kind of confirming exactly what you said. Yeah. Now, Father Time doesn't forget anybody. And he's getting up there in age. And he's wrestled a lot of hard matches. His match with Osprey was amazing. Yeah. So one of the things that if I was Tony Khan, I'd be a little bothered by is... Why on earth are you giving... But then again, it's the way Tony Khan books them too. But why would that match be at the Tokyo Dome for New Japan Pro Wrestling? And why was that effort not a singles match for all elite wrestling? Right? Bigger picture, I think. I think... No. I think he wants... No. I think he wants a good working relationship with them. Hold it. Kenny Omega's making multiples of a million dollars. Like maybe five times a million dollars by yeah, Tony Khan. I would from say so. Tony Khan. He owes Tony Khan those matches first ahead of Jap Japan or anywhere. Okay, first and foremost. That match with Osprey was amazing. Yeah. It was as close to a six-star match as he's had since Takata four or five years ago. Um, I think he owed it to Tony Khan, but then Tony Khan also buried him in the Mike Von Erich role of the of the six-man tag, the world-class championship wrestling six-man tag. Yeah. Von Erichs versus the Freebirds. Kenny Omega is Mike Von Erich. And whoever the third guy is on the other team is the Buddy Roberts. It is uh, it is a misuse of, it's miscasting of Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega should be your top, I say it every week, I'm not going to, Kenny Omega, top babyface running with MJF, running with Brian Danielson, running against whoever the heel is that you're going to run him with. Do not run him as a, put him with Don Callis. Ugh, ugh. I, can't, I can't stress enough. I don't want to talk about that every week. I got but, a question. Yeah. Do, do you think Kenny Omega can be an attraction? And I mean an attraction in the same way there, maybe not a Brock Lesnar, but a special attraction where he's not, he doesn't need to wrestle all the time. We can put him out there 12 times a year. I'm shaking my head. 12 times a year is regular on the All Elite roster. I suppose so. Although now they're about to launch house shows. But um, here's the thing. If you've only got four money matches with Kenny, build the money matches. He gotta, he's got to be a single and he's got to be working top matches. What I seem to be hearing is that Kenny Omega doesn't think he can wrestle top-notch singles matches. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm sitting there saying, I'm paying you $5 million. I do not want you having that match with Will Osprey. I want you having it on my roster, on my pay-per-view, where I get to capitalize on it. I gave you $5 million. I want to make the money back from that performance, not New Japan. And that's the problem here. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Now, that's not Kenny Omega's problem. Kenny Omega's not being picky and choosy, but Kenny Omega will never call it in the... In, you know why? Because Kenny Omega holds the distinction of probably being the best North American wrestler in Japanese history. It was yep. him and Stan Hansen, and everyone seems to agree it's Kenny Omega. And that's why he, if he goes to Japan, it's bad news for Tony Khan because he's going to throw caution to the wind and he's going to give that big performance there as opposed to in, on American soil for... for all elite. And who knows how much they're paying him for single matches. They're probably paying him over the odds, right? So in, in New Japan? Yeah. They're probably paying him $150,000 a match. Exactly. So. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe less. I have no idea what their econo what their economic scale is. Um, but side note to AEW, they announced they're going to do house shows. Tickets starting at $20. 
Now, you've heard my argument. You've heard my argument to promoters. When I say, hey, movie theaters are $15 and the local CFL football team's cheapest seat is $29. How can you as an independent wrestling promoter expect that people are going to pay $25 for your cheap for your seat when now All Elite is saying our ticket is $20 on our house shows. So this is a problem for independent wrestling promoters because they are now saying, hey, we know our most dedicated fans are going to pay $25, but the common fans won't. Common fans are going to say, how in the world is this worth that? How is this worth an AEW house show ticket? So you got to figure that out. That was really a disservice to independent promoter uh, wrestlers or independent promoters all over North yeah. America because wherever they go and charge twenty dollars and WWE is not much different. I had this argument with Darren Metzler, and I said WWE's cheapest seat is under twenty five dollars. Yeah, how, how how can an indie promoter expect to charge more than that? Right, there's yeah, the problem. No, you're one hundred percent correct. And like when I saw the the twenty dollar thing, I was like, oh my god, because it's it's. I understand what he's doing. I understand yeah, he's what, trying to. He's trying to get these guys who's got under contract. His guys are not under per show agreements where the more he runs, the more he's got to pay them. They're under guarantee for the year. So if he can get, and and this has Jeff Jarrett's fingerprints all over it. Jeff Jarrett's in there as director of live events. And for him to make his money, he's got to hit a house show circuit, which means the guys who are getting paid regardless have to go out there. And that's going to lead to revenue in because that company's losing money, even though they don't talk about it because it's owned by a billionaire. Well, and he wants to, he wants to scoop up you know, all those fans that you ju- you were just talking about. He wants that money. He doesn't want uh, and pre- I, Primo's Wrestling or WPW yeah. to have that money. And one thing I've said, if you're an independent wrestling fan and you spend your money at WWE or All Elite, it ain't going, it's a waste of money. Because if you spend it on your local indie, although they got to get their price, their price points in, in check. If you spend your money at the local indie, that promoter will listen to you. And when you say, hey, I think this guy should be used this way, or I think you should get this guy in from out of town, he will listen, he'll do it. Tony Khan's not going to listen. Well, yeah, it's, it's, Vince McMahon it's, isn't going to listen. It's a Walmart effect, right? It's, you run the mom and pops out of business, and then you can jack up the prices however much you want. So he can put the $20 tickets on now and take a little loss. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years down the road, when he's the only game in town, guess what? Tickets are now $45. Yep. Each. Sorry to rapid fire here, though. I'm going to move good. on to the next. We got, we're, we're packed this week, baby. You love when Vince McMahon gets sued. Uh, every time you're always like, oh, we got to cover this. we got to cover this. And I'm like, he's going to get sued a lot. Yeah. He, over the next little while, shareholders who are not happy with what he's done are going to are gonna create, are going to take legal action. And one of those things that they've done is they filed a lawsuit for what? Well, they filed, they filed this lawsuit essentially now to release details on these the uh, accusations, the payouts, the payouts, uh, uh, but details on like what went down, when it went down, like stuff that's not public consumption right now, uh, generally speaking. And it was, I don't know how it's going to work with the NDAs because he's obviously, they'll just leave the name out. He's paid money and he signed out, he signed yeah. these NDAs. So I, I just don't know how it's going to work, but the, essentially the lawsuit is we want more information. Yeah, it's so, a what discovery they, so, lawsuit so what they want is by they, shareholders. Yeah. So what the shareholders want to know is, what happened? When did it happen? Without knowing who it happened with. Well, it allows them to oust him too, because if enough, he's th- not getting ousted. No, but it allows them to, if they won, they can easily say he's not doing the best for the stockholders. You know what they're hoping to find is that he broke the law. Yes, absolutely. They're hoping to find that he paid a woman money after he broke the law with a yeah. sex crime. It's a fishing. And expedition. then they can send that to a prosecutor. 
and hope he gets charged. Yeah. And then he, and then he's got bigger fish to fry. That's what I believe that's about. Uh, I don't think anything's going to come of it because I think in the end, he's going to sell it before they get too far with these lawsuits. Um, but Vince, I watched Royal Rumble last week, just my note on that. Triple H really didn't do a good job booking it. The main event angle was good with the Roman Reigns and the and the yeah, that bloodline. Was good. That was good with Sami Zayn. Cody Rhodes winning was... The Rumble matches match itself, the men's Rumble yeah. match, was hot garbage. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was no good. If you're going to put a baby face over for the Royal Rumble, you don't enter him at number 30 no, and give him every stupid, advantage. Stupid, stupid You get him in move. there at number five and you let him take a beating, it's you get co- some sympathy on him. He's Co- still hurt. They think Cody is the, is going to deliver. It didn't work for all elite. It ain't going to work for WWE. I see through Cody and the fans will, the WWE nation, they will see through Cody soon enough. It'll, WWE be, a, universe. it'll be a short term thing. I think, I think he will deliver, but very short term. And it's time for me to pat myself on the back. I broke a scoop this year, this week, and no one would give me the credit. That's true. Nobody gave me the credit. I gave myself the credit. But I found out the dark side of the ring was casting for 18 to 24-year-old Tammy and I, for season four. And I was like, well, it's obviously Tammy Sitch. Right. Right? So I break the story, and I go, we go public with it on social media. And we say straight out, hey, Dave, hey, they, none of them would give us no. credit. Right? So that was on Monday that I said there is definitely a season four of Dark Side of the Ring and Sonny is definitely featured. It then came out days later that, oh, Abdullah the Butcher and Mike Awesome and uh, was it Bam Bam Bigelow? Yeah, I think I it's Bam so, Bam yeah. Bigelow. And they're all going to get a, a Dark Side as well. But nobody says, hey, a story broke three days ago by Mike Davidson's Total Bishi show. I'm dialed in. Yeah. Okay, just like I'm dialed in on CM Punk, that he's going to be all elite and that there we go. it's all a work. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to believe me. It's true. Um I am pretty dialed in, and now that I've said that, I broke the story, Dark Side of the Ring, Season 4. I'm not going to tell you how I knew, but I knew, and people say right away, oh, he was probably contacted by the producers, because in 2015, Tammy was all over Facebook asking Mike to marry her. So the producers probably contacted him, and he probably broke his confidentiality agreement and did the interview with them, and then told the whole story. No, that's not what happened. That's too bad. I had a different way of finding hoping. I was hoping you are going to be like, and that is what happened. Danny Duggan asked, who's going to play you in the reenactments? And I said, well, if you want it to be someone who looks like me, it would be Christian Slater. Because <laughs> I look like Christian Slater. Yeah, vaguely, yes. Not vaguely. If I put some eye drops in and... Do you know what, Adam, if room? you put Christian Slater, Adam Devine, and me all in a row? Oh, Adam Devine, now we're adding in more. I look like Adam Devine. Why do we add in Zac Efron while we're at it? I don't think I look like Zac Efron. You, you don't. No, but I do you look, don't like, look Ad- like Adam Devine either. But you, uh, Christian Slater. We're going to social media Christian on this. Slater, I can we're see. We're going to social media on this. I'm going to put a picture of me on each side of Adam Devine and, and Christian Slater. Tell me which one I look like. I guarantee there's a resemblance to both. Okay. Okay, so we have an interview. It's hard hitting here. This is not going to be bees, she's, it's not all she's and giggles, it's not shits and giggles, it is a real deal, a guy was, this is an ugly story, and we're going to hear it right from the horse's mouth, Scotty Mack, who, they've tried to cancel him in the West Coast, they've tried to make it so Scotty Mack can't participate in pro wrestling anymore, why are they doing it, he's going to be honest about that, I hope, and what has happened, I want to hear the whole story, but I want to hear it from him. Scotty Mack is coming up after the break on the Total Bees She's Show. This episode of the Total Bees She's Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. 
As a loyal Total Bishi Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESSHEES. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. If you've followed wrestling in the Canadian West Coast, a name that you definitely know, you've definitely followed, you've definitely wondered what made him such a superstar on the West Coast was Scotty Mack. And it's a pleasure to have Scotty on the Total Bee Show. Scotty, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been a while, Mike. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time. I remember I had you in, I actually just found a match of yours. You're going to get a kick out of this. I thought the tape was destroyed, but it was you against Grandmaster Sexy, Brian Christopher. Do you remember that match? You have, of, of course I do. I've, I I uh, talk about it uh, quite a bit. I I had such a great time that night. Okay, so I thought the tape was destroyed. That is one of my least favorite shows that I ever promoted or was involved with, but it wasn't because the talent on the show wasn't good. It was because the show was so poorly attended, but I didn't realize that I had booked you against Brian Christopher. And then uh, just a couple of days ago, I found a certain lost treasures and on that show, Ultimo Dragon takes on Kenny Omega and yeah. I'm, I'm watching through it. And I find Scotty Mack versus Brian Christopher, which in 2007, that would have been a dream match on any independent show. So I found it. I'll probably well, get it for it, you. I, I would appreciate that. It was a dream match for me because I was a big Brian Christopher fan. Yeah. So uh, it was a big deal to get to work with him. And uh, it, it was such a good time. And everything we did with the, with the dancing and with the inchworm and the, and uh he was he was a pleasure to work with. Yeah, so the the match exists, and I'll, I'll get it for you as soon as we get it loaded up to YouTube. Um, so you were the owner and the promoter of ECCW, which was BC's longest reigning wrestling company. You were the top guy. It had been a part of the NWA, and then you had kind of made an identity for the ECCW after the NWA. How did you build that company? What are some of the things you're most proud of uh, from running that company? Well, yeah, ECCW, it's, it's not uh, dead and gone. I still do have the ability to revive it if I so chose to. But it's down to me and uh, a, a friend of mine, which has a very small percentage, a friend of mine in San Francisco. But besides that, it's all mine. I started with ECCW after training a little bit with Canon Wrestling in Alberta uh, in 1999. And then uh, I got pushed quickly, uh, largely because a lot of the top talent was, was leaving. So I ended up in a leadership role quickly. And by 2008, Dave Republic, who uh, is in politics, municipal politics, had wanted to distance himself from pro wrestling and wanted to make sure it was in good hands. I, in that eight years, I, I loved ECW is my home. I, I didn't want it to go in the wrong hands either. But at the same time, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I just wanted to be a wrestler. I, I didn't know I wanted to be a promoter or own a wrestling company or anything, but the opportunity was there and uh, I had a couple partners and, and we took it on and, and really initially it was, you know, I'm not a, again, I'm not a businessman. I just wanted to be a wrestler and I just wanted to keep it alive. I wanted to, to keep running shows. I wanted to uh, do our Bridgeview Hall in Surrey every month and our, and our RCC in Kitsilano and Vancouver every month. 
and and I was a happy guy. It was a, a TLC match in um, in uh, Kitsilano between El Fantasmo, Sid Silent, Kenny Lush, and myself. That a, a fan of ours brought uh, a gentleman from Live Nation to the event, and that initially was what set up a lunch between us and Live Nation to bring ECCW to the Commodore Ballroom. Wow! So if you're yeah, so if you're familiar with with Vancouver's entertainment scene, like in Vancouver, the, the Commodore is legendary. It's it's like as far as like an intimate concert venue, it's, uh, I think for for a concert, you probably put about a thousand people in there, wow. and that's what. Yeah, that was our that was that was basically we were sold out at, at uh, almost a thousand the first show, and then unfortunately the. Uh, the the fire code and all that they they had to take it down uh, to just over. We usually had between eight and nine hundred people in there for a sellout. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, still to this day, it's my it's my proudest accomplishment as far as like if you're like Scotty, give me an example of 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 what you've done with your life. Your your proudest, you know, it would be I'd take the 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 15, 13 ballroom brawls. Two of them were two nights. I take those 15 events and put them all together. This is this is what I've done with my life because it's a combination of my performances on there, along with the you know having the pencil and and uh, promoting and so on. That I, I just I'm I'm so proud of what we did. We never, there was no stickers. There was there wasn't one ballroom brawl that I that I wasn't proud of. There was literally a handful of matches that I looking back it's like oh that. That didn't turn out as good as we liked. Like for instance, we had uh, we had Kevin Sullivan take on Brian Pillman Jr. and uh, in a uh, follow up. If you're a WCW fan yeah. at all, the whole the famous "I respect you, Booker man." Yeah, throwback uh, to 1996. Situation. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. we we brought we brought Brian Pillman's son in and had one with Kevin Sullivan, and and they weren't really on the same page, and then. Uh, the, the the fireball spot doesn't always come off like you want, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I tell everyone to look it up. But uh, uh, there's a lot more ballroom brawl matches I would send you to before that one. But besides, like I said, a handful of matches, I couldn't have been prouder of what we did at the Commodore. And so instead of instead of just keeping ECCW alive, we, we I really did myself and, and the, the you know the people working with me. We took it to heights that had never seen, and and uh, pro wrestling was cool in Vancouver. It was, uh, and it wasn't like a lot of our fans, a, a lot of them, weren't even the the fans that are watching Raw and SmackDown every week. They were ECCW fans. Like these were Vancouver people that you know, similar to like you know, if you're not into the the big labels and 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 re- you know record companies, and you're into the independent artists like that, we were the cool wrestling. Yeah. Um, and, at, and at first people would say, oh, you know, it, uh, I enjoyed your event more than WWE in Abbotsford. And, and at first it's kind of like, oh, yeah, get out of here. But, <laughs> but then I started, but then I started to believe them because every time that, that our ballroom brawl showed, I, I'd be in the back by the second or third match. I would listen to the crowd and it's like, holy shit, we're doing it again. You know, they're just going crazy. And, uh, credit to the, to the Vancouver fan base, uh, uh, really, really great uh, energy, and just time after time, uh, the Commodore Ballroom, we we knocked it out of the park, and um, so we, yeah, we were we were Canada's longest running wrestling promotion 
uh, last year would have been our 25th year. And uh, like I said, I could, I could get it going again if I so choose. What was the first year that you had your ballroom, uh, the ballroom brawl? Sorry, I'm having a hard time spitting that out. Because oh, you had 12 of them. How many, was that like monthly or were you doing it quarterly? How, how many years did it take to build that up? And once well, you had moments. 2000, 2012 was the first one. Yep. And the cool thing is uh, a, a referee, uh, we had, uh, his name's Bill Taylor, a really great guy. He had uh, connected with Mayor Gregor Robertson of Vancouver. And uh, we had uh, our ballroom brawl. I believe it was the second ballroom brawl. Uh, was declared ECCW Day in the city of Vancouver, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, we we started out once a year. Uh, then we said, "Well, should we try twice a year?" And then we went with twice a year. And then by by I think eleven, we did a two night, and then thirteen we did a two night. Mm-hmm. And the, the, our lowest our lowest draw was six seventy five. On the second night of a two-night ballroom brawl, uh, and I think we would, would have sold out, but Ric Flair was doing a spoken word thing <laughs> a couple blocks away. I don't know what Live Nation was thinking, uh, promoting an, a wrestling event at the Commodore and then putting us up against arguably the greatest of all time a, a few blocks away, but... We still still did all right despite that. It probably hurt both of you, actually, if you think about it, because there would have been fans at your 100%. show that would have went to see Flair. Um, okay, hey, so I you, would have went to see Flair. Yeah, absolutely. So you built up all of this momentum just by yeah. per, by delivering a top notch product. You're on top of yeah. the world. The city gives you the ECCW day. How is that? You get there. What are you looking at? Are you looking at growth? Are you looking at explosion? Do you or are you just focusing on what's working? Well, something else I was really, really proud of with ECCW was that that ballroom brawl was it wasn't it wasn't a, a card full of flying. Our first uh, ballroom brawl was all homegrown talent and uh, and uh, David Boy Smith Jr. Harry Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was our, our our only name that we had on on the first one. And moving forward, uh, by the end we. You know, there was some where we would have three or four fly-ins, but the cool thing was is we know we knew we could rely on our homegrown talent to deliver, and we it was a combination of of the talent working hard and um, us giving them the the stage and and the ability to 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 <laughs> spread their wings, so to speak, and to perform and to uh, to uh, to deliver. And they and they consistently did. The flyings were kind of like a bonus for the fans, like almost like a thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's something new or here's something cool. Um, and by the time by the time all the COVID uh, stuff started going on, the, our first show was that that we had to cancel was March sixteenth, uh, twenty twenty, which was supposed to be our first show at a monthly venue in Vancouver. That you know was was booze sales, and it was. I was thankful to be able to build to Commodore again in the city of Vancouver. We hadn't had a Vancouver monthly Vancouver building in a little while, and um, the monthly shows were sometimes we'd make money, sometimes we'd lose money, and then Commodore was always a nice big. Uh, we, we would do quite well on those. It was 
it was that March 16th show that was going to be our monthly Vancouver show that really, I think, got us going. Like, it was, you know, I can't say for sure, but but I thought we're going to be killing. Like, that that was our growth right there. We, we had our Commodore twice a year. I didn't want to push it past that because I wanted Commodore to remain special. If we start doing it every month, it, it loses its novelty. Mm-hmm. People kind of go, okay, well, I don't need to see this one. I can always see next month and, and so on. I, I wanted to keep it special, but then I wanted that monthly Vancouver venue as well. And then I, I'm not sure. I, I think we had such momentum at that time, and we were we were uh, really held in high regard by the wrestling fans in the city uh, that I think there there could have been more growth. What that would have been beyond that monthly Vancouver venue, I, I don't know at this point, but uh, we were having a great time. And then when everything shut down, uh, that's when that's when the, the speaking out thing um, started, started happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was, it was a sort of thing that you didn't, you didn't know, you know, who they were coming up with next, but, uh, but it was clearly becoming, uh, becoming a thing where, where uh, creeps and predators were, were getting exposed. Uh Myself, I didn't have concerns because I've I've always I've I've done girls girls have been interested in me and and if a girl's not interested in me I'm not interested in her and if if she's not interested someone else will be so it was never something that I was worried about anything coming out about me but unfortunately um, uh, my partner at the time uh, had sent some some text messages that were unsolicited, unsolicited and unsavory, we'll say. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so screenshots were put up and, and all of a sudden, because he was in a position of, of power and so on, uh, ECCW, I mean, really our, our, our name and reputation is, has, has taken a beating that, I mean, it, hasn't recovered from at this point. That's for sure. That's absolutely brutal. So the situation comes out that, that there's a girl, she was a wrestler, right? And he sent her text messages that were inappropriate. There was, there was two, there was two girls. One was, I think a wrestler manager sort of thing. And the other one was just, uh, uh, she was a fan, friends with lots of the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, both, uh, uh, adult women friends with um, with my partner, but but clearly, you know, you could tell by the screenshots that that his advances were weren't weren't well received, and it was one of those things where uh, he really should have just recognized. Like even if even if he had, you know let's be generous and say he had the best of intentions. He was just simply interested in, in these girls. When they showed that they weren't, that that's when, then when he should have, yeah. uh, should have clearly stopped and, and not put himself, not continued to clearly he was being selfish and, and, and was, was looking for something out of that. They weren't looking to give him. Okay. So I struggle with this. Because I think I like to think I'm a common sense thinker, and I'm going to come out mm-hmm. on the wrong side of this. Here's what I think: I think one adult male made a mistake mm-hmm. with text messages. 
Mm-hmm. He is he is individually responsible, right? Mm-hmm. Now, because he's in a position of power, that looks bad for the company, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, it's still one person's mistake in the partnership. You, yeah. ha- you have an opportunity to fix that. You hold him accountable. You, you get him out of the equation. You hold him responsible. Why yeah. does it become then, after you try to fix it, still a problem for you and your company? Tell me why that happened. Well, I've been, I've been paying attention for, for a couple of years previous to this as to what happens in entertainment when, when somebody's accused of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that gone are the days where once a man admits he is wrong, he's immediately forgiven of all wrongdoing. Like there's, there's, there's no more, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Oh, that's okay. Here, here's another chance. It, it, these days it's, it's as if an apology is an admission of guilt. Yep. Is an, an apology is, see, he said he's sorry, he did it, he's terrible, get rid of him, uh, never never to be seen again. Yeah. He should lose his career, his family, uh, his everything, and uh, go away, we don't care if he's dead in a ditch at the side of the road. Yeah. Which is how which is how I ended up feeling, unfortunately, uh, for a little while there, because I think because of my persona uh, as a as a as a ladies man i guess in and out of the ring it could be you know completely straightforward i i was uh i've never been i've never been lonely let's say and and i wasn't a very good boyfriend i i was i was a, a dishonest uh i was dishonest with with uh with the girls i dated and uh, a notorious womanizer so you were a cheater yeah, I was, yep. and so it it was easy then to to vilify me along with uh, with my partner, uh, almost as if like it, I swear people thought I was like you know cheer you know a cheerleader over his shoulder telling them what text to write or something. You know what I mean? Like it yep. was it was absurd that you know that the the whole guilt by association thing there. And it's like, everyone's like, well, wait till the story, you know, wait till something comes out about Scott. And, and that's something that I, I had a lot of understanding about with some of the younger talent where it, they haven't known me as long. And so they're thinking they got their whole future ahead of them. They don't want their, their wrestling career uh, negatively affected by association with, with a, a, a bad you know, company with owners that do terrible things. And I think that fear of something coming out about me made it so that not only did they need to distance themselves from, from my partner and from ECCW, but to, to distance themselves from me and to, to, uh, I guess, yeah, just, just the whole, the, the whole group. And the unfortunate part is, 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 there, there was no story about me coming out, and, and it, it didn't come out. There was uh, people making accusations that there would be, or that you know, basically nothing, nothing uh, fruitful, so to speak. And I'm left 
it's not like I'm going to go on there and, and get all defensive and, and because there was nothing really to defend. And anybody that knows me knows that I've, I'm, I'm not that guy. It was the wrestlers that I had known for years and years and know the person that I am that left me high and dry that, that didn't publicly have my back or go, no, Scotty's not that. Just because his partner did that doesn't mean Scotty's this. I, I mean, the amount of the amount of talent that I would have had their back if I believed if I believed them, it, 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 like I, it was a, it was a, definitely a, a reality check, a wake up call. Uh, I you know th- th- my again, I was understanding about the younger talent that didn't know me as well. They don't know what's going to come out, but there were certain people that I've done a lot for that I've that have known me for a long time and, 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 you know, know me to be uh, anything but a, a predator or a creep. Um, that the fact that, that people were cool with me going down with the ship was extremely disappointing and disheartening. Scotty, uh, I, I don't actually know you personally. Mike sent me all the information on this because I'm a, a bit of a nerd when it comes to these interviews. I want to be, I want to bone up on everything. So I, I've become, yeah. I, I've become informed on it. And basically from, from what I, what I've ascertained and, and, you know, listening to you talk, you're obviously not excusing any of the actions, but it does sound like that a lot of the wrestlers tossed you under the bus a little bit and did not have your back, 100%. as you said. So how, how do you, does that change the way you operate even from a personal standpoint in your life? Because you, you have people that you assume you trusted and they sort of left you, you know, with your ass out in the wind. Big time. It's, it's changed everything. And at this point I'm, 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 I can take the, the positive, the way that the lessons learned, I'm, I'm, I'm much wiser than I was. And, you know, I am different than, than I'll, than I'll ever be. Uh, the cool thing is, is the people that, that, that stuck by me, uh, happened to be everybody that I really needed to, like the ones that, that, that never doubted me, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be happy to have them. There was li- literally one dude I was like, that, I, that I, it actually hurt, um, and, and that's Andy the Dreadful Bird. He, the gentleman I, I we got very, very close. He's a very close friend. And that's the one friend I lost that, uh, that I can look back, you know, with a, a tear in my eye, so to speak. But for the most part, it just, what it did was, and that, and what the last few years have done, I think for all of us, it's really shown everybody who everyone is like for better or for worse. I, I, I know that my life has become, it's, it's definitely been addition by subtraction. I have also, in hindsight, I'm able to see how uh, I really was taken for granted. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to sit up here and complain and sound like a victim or anything. I've, I've got to get, I've had a very good, I've had a great time in wrestling and I, uh, it, I'm not going anywhere. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's the, the amount of people that I that I went out of my way. Uh, for me, it was always it was always about all of us. Like I'm going to get over regardless, but I want everybody to get over. I want to have a great match, but it's my show. I want if I've got eight matches, I want eight great matches. 
I want to go on and realize their potential, whatever that is, wherever that is. I've never held anyone back. I've never, I've never not given opportunities when they're deserved. I've never not given second chances. And so it, I was, I mean, I, I, I think I was a better person in the wrestling business than I was in real life. Even like I, I, I gave more, uh, I literally missed one ECCW show ever to go to my, it was my, my, I was bartending and my boss was getting married and I was dating the, the bride's best friend. It was the culmination of work and the girlfriend that made it so I missed an ECCW show. Besides that, birthdays, you know, special occasions, all that sort of shit. If I had a wrestling show, I was going to be at the wrestling show. Okay. And so, and it's just that, that I think that was the hardest part. It was so many people that I had done a lot for or would do a lot for that when it came down to it, it was like, no, they were looking out for, for number one. Okay. So nobody listening to this interview or who knows you or who's followed your career can question your commitment or what led to a lot of success for ECCW. I have a couple of questions here and they're hard hitters. Jeff, Jeff Duncan is the partner's name. Do you still Mm -hmm. talk to him? Have you talked to him? No, No? that's over. No, I have, I have uh, zero contact with him at this point. Okay. So that this, this situation ended that relationship completely. I understand that very well. Uh, I look back. I look back on it afterward, and I look back on it, and, and I again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, 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 I questioned his his. I I was I felt that I might have been manipulated uh, in the last few years, where I conceded on certain things. Uh, maybe whether it be a title, a, a title run for for my best friend Adonis, or a Commodore spot for a close friend of mine, Derek Drexel, things like that that I look back and go, ah, I think he, I think he manipulated me to get what he wanted. So I ended up questioning the the sincerity and the friendship in the long term, and uh, it wasn't so much what he did that caused me to break it off. It was uh, because I wasn't like I didn't I didn't slip out or anything. It was it was obviously it was very difficult. I put more of my adult life into ECCW than than I have anything else, and it sucks that that it, that it was that it was seemingly coming to an end. But it was it was that, and then going okay, and was this friendship good for me, anyways? And uh, it was I. I uh, it was best for me that I distanced myself altogether. Okay. Ne- next tough question. Did you know there was tendencies of him being a little bit creepy? Was there like times where you questioned his, his judgment or behavior? Yes. Okay. And I, and, and, and I can, again, in hindsight, I could have saved myself and, uh, everyone else involved a lot of headache if I had if I had admitted to myself that he was drunk with power so to speak yeah in that in that he was whereas I uh, 
without sounding uh, overly arrogant, I I don't need to use my power to 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 make women interested in me. Yeah, and so I I never did. I, it wouldn't feel right if I did. Yeah, I uh, I I want a girl to be genuinely interested in me if I'm going to have anything to do with her, and um and so. Uh, but I should have recognized that that was, that that was a possibility for him and that, that, that I would be at risk and that, and that talent would be at risk. And so, uh, in hindsight, yes, I, I would have, uh, I would have done more to, to make sure that that didn't happen. Okay. In fairness to you though, there, just because your business partners with them, there is no rule in life that says you have to be the morality police and keep your partner in line, especially mm-hmm. if you hold him accountable after he stepped out of line. So I want to make that yeah. clear. Next thing I have to ask you, the victims, did you ever reach out to them, apologize? Did you, did you try to do right by them from the company standpoint? No. No. Okay. It was not my, my apology to make. That's, and that's fair. His, his, the, the, the text messages were between consenting adult well I shouldn't say consenting the text messages were between adults and that's up to that's up to my partner to 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 take care of that I I don't want anyone to feel any discomfort uh, at a wrestling show whether it be mine or anyone else's I I mean obviously Mike you've been around for for quite a while as well and you've seen how what what wrestling was and the environment it was and locker rooms yeah. that, that the way that it was and where we're at now and and it's it's a much more welcoming inviting comfortable locker room I think for most people than it was at one point uh, and 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 those that those are positive changes at the same time nobody's going to be able to uh, predict the future and unfortunately what what people deemed okay 20 years ago uh you know wouldn't be okay today mm-hmm. and <laughs> and and maybe, maybe we all should have realized that then but uh again apologies are are if i start apologizing uh, I'm not going to start apologizing for other people is what I'm saying. Yeah, no. And you, and you lost a lot in the process just by association. So I don't think it's necessarily something you should be judged upon whether or not you did anything because the actual action that caused this wasn't you. And I understand that. Um, is there anything more you want to say on that? Cause I would like to turn the corner and talk about how things have turned for you to be happier from this. Situation. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I think, uh, uh, I think, um, I think that wrestling is is we got to make sure that we don't, I guess, go the other way where where uh, people are uncomfortable to the to the point where they're they they feel they've got to censor everything that they have to say all the time out of fear of of offending this person or that person. I think that uh, 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 maybe a little bit more. Um, grace and compassion can be at times and that people are going to make mistakes and if somebody makes a mistake and they're and maybe we can maybe we can try giving you know second chances again uh to to those that deserve them and i'm not 
sitting here saying that I'm the authority on, on who deserves and who doesn't. But uh, nobody's perfect. We've all made mistakes. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, there could be someone just as guilty sitting right next to you and it just hasn't come out yet, you know? I couldn't agree more. The whole world right now is about acceptance and tolerance. Where's the acceptance <laughs> and tolerance on people who've made a mistake, who've owned the yes. mistake and tried to grow from the mistake? Same thing. Yes. Right? I agree yes. with you. So now and you better not say you better not say anything that I disagree with either. Or, or, or we're <laughs> we can't be friends after that, right? It's the end That's of right. it's the end of a friendship. So now, putting all of that behind you, you've you've had a great run. You you built a great company with ECCW. Something happened that derailed that. Now you've gone on and you're with our friend Azim. You're at All Star Wrestling. How is that going for you? It's good. I mean, it was it was cool when when Azim. I got in the position he's in with All Star Wrestling. I, I know that I was, well, he tells me I was the first phone call he made, so I'm going <laughs> to go with that. <laughs> but yeah, so he called me pretty quickly, and and it it felt good because around that time was when you know everyone started running again, and companies like like ASW, like VIPW on Vancouver Island, uh, uh, Cody and, and Rhea and BJ are doing a hell of a job with, with Vancouver Island these days. They're just full houses uh, running Nanaimo and we're doing Port Alberni later this month. Uh, so inviting and uh, reminded me of what a locker room should be. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I, I, I needed that because even in the last few years, I, I was, there was a divide in, in my locker room and there was sort of, you know, but, uh, not to simplify it too much, but almost like, you know, Jeff Duncan guys or Jeff Duncan wrestlers and, and Scotty Mack wrestlers. And, uh, it, it was like, instead of it being, instead of it being like an advantage to be Scotty Mack's friend, it was like a disadvantage because I didn't want to, I didn't want to come off like I was putting anyone in a position that they didn't deserve because they're my friend. But instead, I think I ended up, uh, some of my friends deserved more opportunity than they got just because I didn't want to come off like I'm pushing them because they're, they're my guys. And so I felt, I felt disrespected and undermined in my own locker room a little too much in the last few years. And looking back, I, I, there should have been something done about it. Like I, I mean, I've always had 51%. I could have flexed it if I wanted, but I, I wanted things to remain, you know, going rock the boat too much I, I wouldn't make again I wouldn't make that, that same mistake again but to then go to the ASW locker room or the VIPW locker room or the Thrash Wrestling locker room they're, do, they're doing great things in the interior of BC here and to, to, to you know the, the respect and, and, and shown by, by the rookies and the appreciation of the rest of the talent to what I bring to the table and what I bring to the shows. It was just, it really meant the world to me at a time when, when I needed it. It's, I, you know, I don't like to, especially with my character and everything, I don't come off, I, I try to come off pretty bulletproof most of the time. But this, you know, wrestling is, it, it, it's, it's all I've ever wanted. And so to to feel like the majority of the of the talent that I that I gave as much 
as I did to, to again, you know, it was as if they didn't care whether I ever stepped inside a, a, a ring again, uh, on, you know, or if I, if I dead in a ditch to the side of the road. It just, it didn't seem to matter to, to anybody. Uh, I shouldn't say anybody, to the majority. And so it, it was, it was a big deal to be well-received in ASW and CIPW and thrash wrestling and uh, Can-Am wrestling. I got to return to, to where I took my first bumps in Alberta, Can-Am wrestling. Uh, always very good to me. And so um, it reminded me of, of why I have given as much as I have, you know, in the last almost quarter century uh we're getting old mike <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and uh so yeah it's meant everything asw i'm having a good time i i i'm uh doing a program with thunder and uh uh he's fun to work with and then uh vipw i'm going after Rio von slashers uh vancouver island championship and uh i'm gonna return to to thrash wrestling uh in a couple of months, I'm, I'm stoked to wrestle in Nelson, BC, which is where my grandparents lived when I was a little boy. So I'm going to go to the, the farm that they used to have. So I'm really looking forward to that trip. That's a wonderful end to the gr- great story, Scotty. Thank you so much for sharing it and being so honest with us. Uh, any parting shots before you go? I just thank you to everyone that did uh, have my back and, and, and stand by me. Uh, thank you to Vance Nevada for for he he spoke up and uh he just had enough when when things were going the way they were going because i was you know i had people calling venues trying to get me taken off shows i was booked on and vance nevada uh put up a video that just said you know enough of this and it and, and i responded to it and both of them got a lot of attention and traction and vance didn't have to do that and so uh, I'll always appreciate that. And, uh, Mike, I really appreciate the opportunity to call on here and, and, you know, get my words out to a larger audience. I, I've got nothing to hide. Uh, and, uh, if people, you know, if you disagree with me, uh, politically or, or, or anything else, it, it really doesn't matter. It, we can still be cool. We can still share a locker room. We can still be friends. Uh, and, uh, so everyone's just got to kind of keep that in mind just because we disagree on something doesn't mean you can't be cool. Yep, absolutely. And I tell you one thing, I will always have my, have your back and a very, very, very strong opinion in your favor as one of the best I've ever come across in Canadian wrestling. So, uh, best of luck to you and I'll talk to you again. We'll get you on the show again in the future. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. The Total B She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total B She's show on Twitter at Total B She's, on Instagram at Total B She's, or search us on Facebook, Total B She's. And now it's time for the Mary Brown's Mailbag. Mary Brown's Chicken, Crave Delicious. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's Chicken. Who only uses Manitoba Chicken? Mary Brown's Chicken. And who only uses Manitoba-grown potatoes hand-cut in-store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. Two questions in the mailbag this week, Mike. Coming in on Twitter, 
and Instagram, number one on Twitter using the hashtag, hashtag Mary Brown's mailbag. Does Mike Davidson ever regret leaving Premier Championship Wrestling in 2003? And where would have its career gone? This one's c- coming from Chris, and it's not producer Chris. It is producer Chris. No, no, I would just ask you. Yeah, but you wanted it on the air. I wouldn't answer it on the air if you asked me. That's true, and I, I, I would be a little more aggressive about it. So I've never told why I left, and I'm not going to do that today. Oh, come Because the question isn't, why did you leave? I would answer it if it was asked, why did you leave? The question was, do I regret leaving? And the answer is, unfortunately, no. The reason was I felt I had accomplished all I could do there. I knew what I needed to do when I left. The houses had been down. Business was down. A booker should change when that happens, except in this case, because I knew what I wanted to do, which was, and Andrew shotgunned it and put Kenny Omega over for the championship, but Chi-Chi Cruz was a very strong champion as a heel, and Kenny Omega needed to beat Chi-Chi Cruz, but he had to do it right. It was a legend against the guy that was the future legend of the territory. You needed to build to Omega beating beating Cruz. And it was August of 2003, and it was supposed to happen in November 2003. Right when business gets a little soft going into the winter, the winter freeze. Um, I don't regret leaving PCW because it allowed Andrew to take the company where he wanted to go, and I wasn't part of that vision. And I wanted to keep going the way I wanted to go, which ended up being AWE in 2005. So I don't regret it at all. I would have actually done a AWE in 2004, but I got tied up with Daryl Walski doing due diligence and research on something called Hockey Gladiators, which was a hockey fight pay-per-view. That's the only reason why I didn't immediately go into, into AWE in 2004. I did it in 2005 instead. Um, AWE was, a, was something that I was really proud of. I don't think that I could have accomplished much more in, with the weekly shows at the, at the Palladium or the Lid or the Stratosphere, whatever it was called that day when I left. I had done all I could do there, and it was time to go. All right. Before we move on to the second question, could you see yourself ever working with Andrew Shellcross again? I would love to do a podcast with Andrew. I would love to go out for beers and wings with Andrew. Um, a wrestling event? I don't think Andrew would want to work with me. I could work with him. I don't think he'd work with me. All right. On to the second question from Jane. Oh, yeah, can I go to, let's dial that one back. Okay. Are you trying to make me slip and admit I'm going to do a wrestling event? Cause that's not what that, I said that, there. That's what I try to do every week. I try <laughs> to come up with a new creative way to get you to admit it. Yeah. All right. This one's from Jane and she spells Jane uh, strange way. I've never seen J A Y N E. That's how my mom spells it. It better not be my mom. Oh my God. Mike <laughs> Davis's mom. Why don't you call? Okay. Um, here it is. This one is from Jane. What is Jeff Dick, uh, Jeff Dick doing these days? Some would say he's long overdue for a short-lived wrestling startup. Short-lived? Whoa. <laughs> that's not my that's mom. A, that's a dig. That's not that's my a mom. Dig. Uh, okay, so Jeff Dick, I don't talk to anymore. I don't know. I don't know if he's living in Winnipeg, Vegas, Steinbeck, or anywhere. Uh, oh. We could do a new podcast, Finding La- Jeff Dick. Last place I saw Jeff Dick is I went to a concert with Good Time Gord, and it was um, Def Leppard and Tesla, and Jeff Dick was there. Um, but we didn't talk, right? And then uh, Mecca Shane saw Jeff Dick at a Jets game. Uh, would he be, if he, it would be a very short-lived re- wrestling s- startup. Um, 
And we'll know if he's ever doing that because Johnny Fairplay will get the first phone call and he'll be the <laughs> booker because I won't be and Rikishi won't be. So the next guy to get the call is going to be Johnny Fairplay. So we'll know when it's happening, but it ain't happening right now. So how close were you at this event? Like cl- cl- close on the floor, you walk by each other? Because I've had that with a with an ex-girlfriend a few weeks ago where I walked by her at a comedy event he, and we both st- stared straight ahead, didn't say a word, just walked by each other. I have a, I, the love of my life... Used, I used to bump into her and that's what would happen. Um, Two ships passing in the night. Yeah. Just... Well, you, you see her and your heart skips a beat. Not when it's me and Jeff Dick, but <laughs> <laughs> come on. So I was, so I saw his girlfriend first and I recognized her and she smiled at me, but then realized it was me and frowned. And then I saw her w- run around the <laughs> corner Calm, and then he came back around to look to confirm and then he nodded. But he didn't come up and say, hi, we are not on good terms. A nod's not bad, though. Yeah. A, no, a nod is... No, he wasn't nodding at me. He oh. was nodding like, yes, it's him. Oh, not, hey, oh I thought he was nodding. Yeah, I was going to no. say, well, there, there's obviously we room for yeah. reconciliation but if he's yeah, nodding. Yeah, there is no... Like, uh, we don't ever go out for wings or drinks or anything like that. We don't trade texts. We don't trade emails. It's... Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's doing something called... Um, the last I heard was he was going to... He, if you listen to him... Okay, I got a great Jeff Dick story. Sorry to digress. Jeff Dick just missed being a billionaire by that much, and I mean it legitimately. And it's hilarious. In 2010, everyone in the building was excited about Iraqi dinar. Okay? Iraqi dinar was a currency scam that people were selling that apparently the Iraqi currency was going to get reevaluated against the American dollar and was going to go up in value by 10 or 15 times. So if you bought this Iraqi dinar... You were, if you bought a hundred dollars worth, it was going to be worth a hundred times or whatever the amount was. Yeah. I can't, they were all excited about this and Jeff put something like 35,000 or something into it. Jeff Dick would tell me later on in about 2018 or 19, right before our falling out. So 17 or 18. Yeah. 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 2010. I, I almost bought Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it was less than a penny for Bitcoin. Yeah. And he was going to put $35,000 down on Bitcoin. He, the world would be a different place because that guy with that kind of money, there would be event centers getting built in, in five different areas of Winnipeg. There would be the Dick Entertainment Center after his last name, not, not a description of his personality, but that's, that's what he, he, he would have been worth a billion dollars on Bitcoin, but he probably wouldn't have paid his taxes on it. Wait, I've got to dial that back. That was, I I wasn't thinking that was a cheap shot, but he would have made billions of dollars on Bitcoin, but he got suckered by Iraqi dinar instead. There you go. You're never going to see Mike Davidson step foot in the Dick Event Center ever. Dick Entertainment Center. Okay. And now before, that was the second question, the last one. So I wanted to say a couple things before we go off the air. CWE just did the sellout on their anniversary show, 14th anniversary show. That was the show that was supposed to have Matt Taven, but he went to Jay Briscoe's funeral. That was the show that was supposed to have Pat Tanaka, but he couldn't get across the air. Circumstances happened that prevented him from coming into Canada. Well, I wonder what those are. I don't know. Exactly. You almost finished the sentence. So. I, I don't know. I, that was me speculating. <laughs> okay. As he sues me for besmirching his good character. Um, he is going to bring Moose to Winnipeg in the last weekend in March. So if you like Moose from Impact Wrestling, the Impact former Impact World Champion, he's coming to Winnipeg. He looks like a million dollars. If you don't know who Moose is, go look him up right now because you're missing out. And how I don't think we talked last week about Frank Kazarian being brought in by Primos. No, that's That's killer. coming in May, I believe. I think you... Glanced over it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Kazarian's due in, and I understand... Frank Kazarian, it's not like his father's coming in. 
He went by Kazarian too. No, but he went by Frankie Kazarian. Frank Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian. Oh, Frank. Frank Kazarian's coming in. Well, he's not Frankie Kazarian he, Jr. No, There's he, no. He's, oh, he's still Frankie Kazarian. Like Frank Kazarian sounds like an uh, octogenarian all right, or something. All right. Um, Doctor Kazarian. And then I was going to mention for our listeners, there's a company out in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. It's called Below Zero Wrestling. And yes. they just had Ricky Morton in uh, last Saturday, in fact. So if they can get Ricky Morton and they've had Eric Bischoff and they've had uh, Kalisto and a whole bunch of good people. So don't sleep on that one. I can't believe we didn't know about this. But Below Zero Wrestling, I would bet... Just guessing that Mecca Shane, myself, Sean Brown, and probably Adam West are going to do a road trip to one of these shows, Below Zero Wrestling in Fargo. I think they run bi-monthly or monthly. Just completely kayfabes the invite to me. Right in you front, said right you would front, only fly. Right in front of me. You told me you would only fly That's to shows. That's true. Only first class. Yes, yeah, we're going to drive. So okay. there you go. That's all I got to say. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the Iceman. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can? Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Eric, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover, and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter.
Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?